Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. And welcome, everyone, to the first edition of Classic Rewind on This Week in Health Innovation. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director at Health Innovation Media and the publisher of ACLwatch.com. On June 9, 2011, at the newly launched Kaiser Center for Total Health in Washington, D.C., Kaiser Permanente hosted an event bringing together health innovators for collaboration with intent to transform healthcare through knowledge sharing. Titled the Health Innovation Summit, I was privileged to receive an exclusive invite from Daniel Cass, then corporate communications diva at Kaiser Permanente in Oakland, California. The summit was part of Washington, D.C.'s Innovation Week, a week of activities that brought together government agencies with academia and the healthcare and technology industries to spur new thinking in health. At the summit, leaders from the new Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Innovation, along with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, Kaiser Permanente and Vangent, and some 100 other national leaders in innovation gathered to share knowledge, best practices, and a vision for the future of the American healthcare system. This was promoted to convene a growing community of innovation leaders to spur industry-wide knowledge sharing. And in this segment, Richard Gilfillan, MD, Acting Director of the Affordable Care Act Enabled Innovation Center, also known as CMMI, who currently serves as Chief Executive Officer of Trinity Health, a $17.6 billion Catholic health system that serves communities in 22 states, Dr. Gilfillan weighed in with his insights on real innovation for the healthcare ecosystem, which he emphasized is not the next new shiny thing, whether medical device, drug, platform, or app, but a business model that makes sustainable sense by advancing the three-part triple aim, better care, better outcomes at lower per capita cost. Some eight years later, we seem to have scorned Dr. Gilfillan's call to action given his colleague, Dr. Jack Cochran, then executive director of the Permanente Federation's urgent call for a collective Gutenberg moment, noting decades of failed industry initiatives to tame the rapacious appetite of a volume-driven fee-for-services medical industrial complex. Under the next episode of Classic Rewind, I will provide some of Dr. Cochran's insights and appeal to the unconference audience seated at Health Camp SF Bay, hosted at the Kaiser Permanente Garfield Innovation Center in San Leandro, California, also in 2011. Please enjoy Dr. Gilfillan's comments to the Health Innovation Summit. Uh, very much, Greg. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you all today. I'm very to be here uh, and join you in this exciting event, which... Um, I think Will and Amon came to me, uh, and, and Mandy came to me a couple of, I guess it was like a month ago, six weeks ago, and said, how about uh, we do something with Jack, and 
down at the new uh, Kaiser uh, Total Health Center, and um, I said, well, what, if, what is something? And uh, this is it. Uh, this event uh, and uh, everything that's gone on this week was the result of um, Will and Amin and Jack really having the vision to say uh, it's time to reach out to the innovation community and find ways uh, to work together. So I'm just really happy to be here with you all and thank Jack, Kaiser, Vange, and, uh, and the uh, Innovation Center team and the CMS team and the uh, ONC team that uh, put this together. I thank you all for coming. Um, a great distance to begin. Uh, I know this is the culmination of what has been uh, an exciting health information uh, innovation week here in DC and I unfortunately I wasn't able to be uh, in the audience to see uh, Todd Park yesterday. I'm sure it was incredibly entertaining and it sounds like it was uh, it was incredibly productive and the culmination of a series of activities that really demonstrate what happens when you unleash information into an energetic and energized uh, and smart community of people interested in making a difference. So, um, <clears throat> our objectives really are, you know, we want to start building relationships across the country with other folks interested in innovation. We want to learn what you're doing. We want to um, join with you in kind of beginning to build a national network. And we think of innovation, and I'd like to kind of focus it even a little bit more. We think of innovation as being about patient-centered, people-centered, family-centered care uh, aimed at producing the three-part outcome very explicitly, very explicitly of better care, better health, at reduced costs through continuous improvement. So if you're wondering, you know, kind of what CMS thinks, what we at CMS think we're trying to accomplish, it is that. Don Berwick has given us a very explicit mission. It is to be a major force and trustworthy partner for the continuous improvement in health and healthcare for all Americans. That's a new mission for CMS, the Secretary is behind it, uh, and uh, everyone in the administration at this point is behind that vision of using the, uh, the resources we have available to drive and with you all, continuous improvement in health and healthcare. And we know we can't do that from DC. At the end of the day, that's about partnering with people who are out there in communities. This is not a top-down or in-without approach. This is our attempt to reach out to you and find out in communities what's possible, what you all are interested in doing, what specific solutions you will find in your communities. So it's about outward-in, not inward-out, not top-down. So I'm not a theoretician. Most people know me would uh, agree with that. But I thought I'd share a couple of ideas first and, and uh, kind of walk through, you know, kind of one man's view of the what, why, where, and how of innovation, at least as viewed from the innovation center. What is it? What's an, what is an innovation? How about this? A change in operations that significantly improves a system's valued outcomes. Okay? It's, it's not an idea. It's not a, a new technology. It's something that gets adapted and adopted into a system to produce better outcomes that are, as those outcomes are valued by the system. So the corollary of that is significant art, uh, innovation always serves an industry's business model. Uh, do we have a shortage of innovation in healthcare? I don't think so. Um, 
was talking with Jeff from the FDA and said, gee, you got a shortage in uh, medical technology innovation? No. You got a shortage in pharma innovation? Some people would argue maybe a little bit more now than we used to, but not really. We've got all those specialty drugs coming down the line. Do we have a, a shortage of innovation in new surgical techniques? I don't think so, right? Do we have a shortage in innovation that drives triple aim outcome? Yes. Our job is to find ways to work with you all, we hope, and get your help in driving new kinds of innovation that drive and deliver better care, better health, at reduced cost. And we know the reduced cost is there to be had. It's, it's demonstrated everywhere. We, we know what happens right in this building, right Jack? We know that if you get serious about engineering care to deliver the three-part aim, you will deliver better care, better health at reduced cost. It's eminently possible and demonstrably possible. What we don't have is an industry business model that delivers it and that rewards it and that drives it. And therefore, the innovation is occurring in the traditional sectors of healthcare around activities and items and operational activities that deliver more volume and more services. And we can't afford it. People are going without healthcare today. People are dying. People are having adverse outcomes because we choose to innovate in that space rather than in the space of three-part aims. People, our kids are going without music classes in high school and in elementary school because we choose to not to pursue more volume and not more value. And therefore, school systems pay higher healthcare costs and can hire teachers to teach kids. Those are the choices. We've made them all in the past the same way. We're still making them. And it's time now we realize, as we see states erupting in disputes over fundamental benefits because they cannot be afforded any longer, the choice now is pretty clear. We need to find a way to reduce costs through continuous improvement. And I would ask you to think about every innovation that you consider in the context of that three-part aim. Will it produce better care, better health, at reduced costs? Will it drive continuous improvement? So there's never been a more critical time to be in healthcare and to be in healthcare innovation. So the why for us is clear. The why of innovation is to, towards those aims. We need to drive towards those aims. The, the Affordable Care Act, the High Tech Act, um, all of these gave us great new tools to drive innovation in healthcare. You've all heard about electronic health records. We know ONC has done a fabulous job of driving that forward. Um, you've heard a lot about other aspects of the Affordable Care Act. There's the insurance reform side of it, and there's the delivery system reform side. We've, gotten, uh, we've done a great job of stimulating interest in accountable care organizations. There was a lot of interest already, and we just were able to um, double down on that excitement. I was talking to Steve Lieberman earlier here, and he was commenting on this. And the fact is that we put out ACO rates that grabbed the attention of the industry, and everyone said, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is uh, serious business. Well, yeah. If you think about redesigning a care system that's doing this, that's delivering fragmented, siloed, unsustainable, moderate quality healthcare, and say, we want a system that's going to deliver safe, seamless, coordinated healthcare, that's affordable and sustainable, that's worth 476 pages of information, okay? It is. Now, 
Are there ideas there that will change over time? Yes. Do we appreciate the feedback you've all given us and the industry has provided us? Yes. This is the process. Rules are proposed, rules are discussed, and rules ultimately come out that deliver a certain result. And we feel really good about the excitement that's out there, the energy that's out there around this, and we ultimately will deliver a rule that we think will provide an exciting opportunity for folks who are interested in transforming here, going from here to here, okay? That's the kind of work that we are doing now. How do, where, where is, are we looking for innovation? We think about innovation in care models in three levels. One, how do we deliver the best care for a particular patient with a particular need? This is the world of IHI, the world of Brent James. How do we make the best or deliver the best hip surgery, the best uh, cardiovascular uh, stenting procedure, the best OB care? Level one. Level two, how do we coordinate care over time and space as people move through the system? This is the world of ACOs and medical homes. Level three, how do we double down on other efforts people are pursuing to improve the fundamental and underlying determinants of health in a population? How do we address smoking rates, obesity rates, exercise activity? So three levels, if you will, of care models. The bill says to us, the Affordable Care Act said, Here's $10 billion, and here's freedom from a lot of bureaucratic hurdles that other face. Go find, identify, evaluate new care models that deliver reduced expenditures for Medicare, Medicaid, and CHIP, and maintain or improve quality. So we are out there actively looking for models of care to support in those three levels, if you will, that meet those criteria. That's our business. Um, so where we're looking is across the whole care spectrum. We're looking for new ideas. We're looking to support new ideas and new care models and new payment models that deliver three-part aim outcomes for patients. So how's the business model piece fit? Well, we know if we don't deliver a sustainable alternative payment system for people in providing those services, that the innovations will not be sustainable, they will not persist. So we have to not only find care models, we have to find new ways of supporting them. It may be payment, it could be other ways that we can support people as they pursue those new care models. What we are trying to address is the reality identified by Carrie Kaplan a number of years ago when he said, out of Virginia Mason, I'm gonna redesign the way I take care of people with back pain, I'm gonna do fewer x-rays, I'm going to get better outcomes, and oh, by the way, I did it, and oh, by the way, my facility lost money. That is not a sustainable business model. The sustainable business model is to find a way to support him with perhaps an episode of payment that gives him all that money up front and allows him and supports him in finding the most efficient way to deliver that service. So, we want a system to deliver new outcomes. We know innovation sustain are sustainable when they're supported with a business model. We will support these new business, these new care models with new business models, and then we will consistently invest in large-scale spreading initiatives, education initiatives, learning system activities to drive the adoption of that new care model and those new payment models broadly across the country. So spread, if you will, learning, driving continuous improvement, 
spreading best practices will be a fundamental feature of every initiative we pursue. You can see this now in the ACO world. We recently announced a, a pioneer ACO track that's complementary to the shared savings ACO track. And we have scheduled our first accelerated development and learning system meeting in Minneapolis for uh, June 20th to 20, the 22nd. We will do this in every initiative we pursue. Our goal is to rapidly accelerate the adoption of new care models and to drive information across the industry and throughout the industry uh, so that people can adopt these new models. Our goal in doing that is to work directly with other folks who are out there doing this work. This is not about the federal government saying this is the way to be an ACO. What we are doing is enlisting experts from across the industry to come together and provide that information to their colleagues. So the where is across all those spaces, if you will. We've made a number of investments already, most notably the Partnership for Patients, where we are investing, the federal government is investing a billion dollars in an effort to reduce all-cause harm across the country in all hospitals. We currently have 2,000 hospitals who have signed up to be and pledged to be part of that initiative. We're moving rapidly. We think we'll get up to 4,000. Um, we have, uh, that, that model is also going to be uh, addressing transitions of care. The goal there is to reduce readmissions by 20%. We also recently uh, announced our Pioneer ACO model, which is an effort to provide a very attractive opportunity for experienced care organizations to go forward and demonstrate for the first time what's possible if you really try and deliver three-part aim outcomes for Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries, what's possible? Is it 2%? Is it 5%? Is it 20% better results? Better HEDIS scores? Better patient satisfaction scores? Reduced costs? We think it's there to be had, 10 to 20%. And we're excited about the opportunity to find 30 leading organizations across the country who are willing to stand up and say, I'm going to take my business model from here to here. I'm going to make the transformation. And I am going to deliver for my Medicare fee-for-service patients a better experience, better outcomes, and for the country, for the country, lower costs even as they're providing better care, reduce costs, and demonstrate what's possible. So that's what Pioneer's about. We're very excited. We've got a number of organizations that have already declared their intent to participate, and we are excited about this opportunity to rapidly demonstrate to the country the opportunity for improvement that is there. Other things we're involved in is uh, primary care investments around medical homes. We've got a, a series of medical home initiatives we're pursuing working closely with other industry efforts. We have an advanced or multi-payer advanced medical home initiative where we're doubling down on the efforts of private industry in eight different states. We also have a very um, significant focus on the dual eligible population, those individuals who are eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. And we're working closely with the folks in the Medicaid office, the folks in the uh, office, of the dual eligible office uh, to design new programs that address the dual eligible population. We're working hard on other possible initiatives, addressing things like bundle payment, episode-based payments, uh, and a focus on population health. And we're really looking for opportunities to engage, we think mostly, and have thought mostly about engaging with providers and payers, 
But today is about an opportunity to engage with you all and to find out how we can actually build a network of innovative, innovators looking at innovation and ways of um, working cooperatively around the country to drive um, this improvement. So today, we hope we can come away with a perhaps a common agenda, at least a set of next steps that allow us to build that network of innovators and innovation that can serve the country. We need it. There's never been a more important time, and there's never been a more exciting and, I think, personally rewarding time for all of us to be in healthcare. It's really kind of the country's calling us to say, we need you to make a difference. The difference will come from innovating. It will come from innovating with a focus, clear focus on delivering, we think, those three-part aims. And we're just thrilled to be able to be here with you today uh, and work and start building this partnership in addition to the partnerships that we are working on with providers and other payers. So thanks again for um, coming so far, for being here and participating. We're looking forward to the day, and I hope we have a lot of fun doing this very important work. Thank you, Jack. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details